Today's episode is hosted by Trevor Sumner. In addition to being a Rethink Retail top retail influencer, Trevor is the CEO of Perch, a recognized leader in in-store product engagement marketing, interactive retail displays, and augmented reality. In this episode, Trevor sits down with Shrenik Soldagi, Director of Research and Development at Wayfair Next. During their conversation, they discuss Shrenik's professional journey to Wayfair, as well as some fascinating topics like immersive technology, the metaverse, and the future of 3D search. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the Rethink Retail podcast on Spotify and Apple. Those ratings and reviews truly go a long way. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Sumner, and joining the show today is Shrenik Sadalgi. Uh, Shrenik Sadalgi is an ideator, a futurist, a thinker-doer, and a technologist. As head of Wayfair Next, he leads the exploration of far future R&D for Wayfair, where he and his team are pioneering the future of retail and home by leveraging emerging technologies and inventing new ones. He's expanded on this role as pioneer for the future of retail, nice title, in his work at the Kronos Group, an open global consortium that's creating open standards. Uh, Shrenik serves as the founding chair of the Kronos 3D Commerce Working Group, a group of leading retail and technology companies exploring the opportunity to accelerate the adoption of 3D experiences by establishing a set of universal standards for platform agnostic 3D model creation and distribution. I think I know what all that means. I'm excited to explore <laughs> it with you. Um, Shrenik also won the Retail Innovator of the Year in 2019, and his work has been the recipient of Edison and Webby Awards. Thank you for joining the show today, Shrenik. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to be on. Yeah, here. I I love it. This is you know uh, a good mix of you know, kind of futurism with a little bit of technology. It's where I like to spend a lot of time. Um, so can you kick us off by telling us a little bit more about your professional journey? Uh, you know, you've got an interesting background coming from VMware, which is a very kind of deep technical software and almost operating several, operating level, operating system level type technology. And now you find yourself very kind of on the front end with Wayfair. Uh, you know, how'd you find your way down this path? Yeah, I, think, I mean, uh, just reminding back, like, I feel like uh, I've always been a technologist, technologist. I've you know, the first time, I think my first uh, experience with technology was, I think I entered some commands on a computer and then this thing drew a circle and it was a program called Logo. And since then, I've just been hooked on to uh, onto using technology to, to do things, right? And so to kind of entertain yourself or to uh, solve problems. And so I think I find myself, you know, I've gone through different, um, I guess, uh, roles in my career. And uh, one thing that's kind of stood out as an underlying, underlying theme is that uh, I? It's not just important to kind of figure out exactly what the technology should be. It's also how you interact with it, right? How do you present it in a way that that uh, that people would actually, you know, adopt it? And so I think that's. I feel like I keep gravitating my um, towards that. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. VMware was uh, is a is a very you know kind of it's a different kind of technology company than Wayfair, right? And so um, it's. Uh, we were working on operating system level, um, um, you know, I guess that, that's a stack that we were working on. We were trying to figure out 
how to um, virtualize the Android operating system so that you could have like a work persona and a and a and a uh, personal you know part of your phone on the same device, and you could swap between the two. And when I talk about that now, it feels like oh, that's just so obvious, and that's such a you know um, that's that's such a uh, it's already a thing, right? And so uh, what got me to Wayfair uh, was this again. I, I found myself getting back or wanting to get back to this you know, uh, to a place where I could actually affect uh, millions of people around the world and, and help them, you know, um, get a better, better experience or help them with using technology, right? And so that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why I joined Wayfair. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting looking at your journey is that, you know, you, you talk about this persona-based, you know, change the context of your environment based upon what you know, what we know about you. And then also, you know, you kind of made your way towards JavaScript, which is you know a backend technology, but also a lot to do with front end. And increasingly, I think that you know because our experiences are defined in many ways by the way the technology can enhance them. A lot of engineers who who have spent time on the front end increasingly are making the move to really thinking about experience design and where design and technology intersect. Absolutely, and so I think like, I tend to think of technology as you know, not in terms of like, you know, front end versus back end versus thing. It's, it is just an underlying tool to help you solve a problem. And you can, you, and there's, there's always like, you have the right tool for the right problem, right? And so there are just different ways of using technologies to kind of solve problems. And so I think that um, as long as you kind of get that right. So I like, for me, like, you know, I tell my team this, this you can basically do anything, right? As long as, as you know what tool to apply when, and you can learn anything. Uh, just you just need the right you know the right momentum or the right time to kind of do that and so I think uh, front end versus back end versus experience design it's all you know at the end of the day like you're building something that will affect how a person you know perceives information how they uh, get that information and how they exchange that information and in you know and use that information to make decisions in in your life right so as long as you can kind of uh, use technology to kind of to to basically manipulate information. That's kind of what it is at the end of the day, right? And so um, you should be good. So uh, just breaking breaking it down to first principles is kind of what I try to do, and I try to kind of I guess advocate for. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because we we are both working and on merging the best of physical and digital. At Perch, I'm trying to overlay digital information and tools and media on the physical shopping experience. And, and and in many ways, you're you were trying to overlay the physical world's benefits on the digital shopping experience by talking about you know these three D experiences. So maybe let's just take a step back and 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 say you know you've been at Wafer for about eight years now. One, what does it mean to to for to have a three D experience, and how has that changed over the course of the time that you've been there? Yeah, that's a, that's that's a really interesting uh, question. I guess so. We, the way. I, frame it as we're on a journey, right? I mean, if you just rewind back to uh, the early years of the internet and early years of, of e-commerce, right? Um, people realized that uh, you, in order to sell a product online, you needed to have a representation of that product. And the best way to do that was to kind of have a picture of the product, right? And so the equivalent today is that uh, now that picture is has uh, uh, needs to be a lot more richer and you need to have it be 
represented in a way that is more natural like and so that's where 3d comes in because it, humans like we we're basically perceiving the role uh, the the world today in 3d right and so if you can represent products in 3d in that natural medium then uh, that is the most natural way in which people can actually you know um, gauge what the product looks looks like or what what that product feels like right and so we're currently on a journey where we have unlocked 3d as a new medium i think for merchandising products just like how we did uh, how we figured out pictures are are important and necessary we're now at a stage where we think that um uh, a richer representation of the product which is three dimensional is needed in order to merchandise the product so we're on that journey right now and we're figuring out uh, different ways of using this digital information you know either you can you can take this 3d information and, and overlay it on top of the physical world right which which leads to these augmented reality experiences where you can see products in your space before you buy them or you can create entire virtual worlds that where you can immerse users into these really inspirational uh, spaces where you know they can um, they, they get an idea of like what they exactly want right or you can just use it to create a picture right just use it to, to create another picture another um, I guess representation of that product that helps you in the shopping journey, right? And so, 3D has many roles to play, and we're we're just kind of chipping away uh, one use case at a time. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I think you guys were the first to market with the 3D visualization of furniture in your home, um, and you know it was quickly copied by many others. Um, but you were a real innovator there. Um, I think it's really, you know, I, I remember that being very close to the pandemic. Did, do you see the pandemic as having accelerated some of the expectations within virtual spaces and the need to interact with physical products in, you know, pseudo virtual or AR environments? Yeah, I think so. I think I, what with the pandemic, like, I guess, like, you know, uh, what has happened, I guess, is people are more... Uh, dependent on these uh, digital tools, right? And so, they, and people have realized that digital tools, uh, there are quite a lot of digital tools available in order to kind of, you know, help you with the shopping journey, right? And so, and there's there's real power to the uh, to a digital platform trying to like, you know, if you think of the journey from like inspiring a customer, right? By providing them with, with the right merchandising uh, content or the selection of products uh, or like even something as simple as like, you know, uh, searching for stuff, like searching, you know, narrowing down your search, right? Going from like tens of millions of products to like a few products that you actually like that, all that stuff is digital, right? And so, and and, the, and you follow that up with like a, with a really kind of world-class um delivery experience or a customer experience uh, that that leads to uh, really good uh, i guess engagement with customers so i think you know the pandemic has definitely um, accelerated um, the use of digital platforms and so i think we're you know uh, specifically like i think the tools that help you visualize furniture in your own space if that's pictures or if that's even like augmented reality experiences where you know you can see your uh, you can see the furniture in in your phone in the context of your space at the right scale. Those uh, tools have become even more important because um, it has really like helped you understand what would work best in your space. Um, but I think like and it's it's I, I, pandemic or not, I think that these tools would have uh, would have got the right adoption because just because they're just a lot more practical, right? Because um, you can do quite a lot of um, your shopping and the ease of your, you know, while you're sitting on your couch in your home, right? And so it's so much more convenient than 
trying to go to a store and then figure out what you want and come back and then, you know, uh, bring out your measuring tape, measure your uh, your space, then go back to the store. Like there's quite a few round trips that are required in order to kind of figure out how you want to. Uh, if you if you're looking for a perfect like you know couch for your space, and so we're trying to kind of reduce all that stuff by just you know um, find the right products online. Um, you know, have you go through the shopping journey and it shows up in, in on your doorstep like a few days from from you order it, and then and you can decide whether that's good for you or not. So I think yeah yeah no. That, I- Absolutely. I mean, that's 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 a clear use case. And when it came out, it was it's just like, oh, of course, right? Um, now, I, I've seen a lot of three D technologies being deployed in lots of different areas of the business. Uh, you know, there's a company that allows you to create three D representations of a store, so that you can look at eye tracking and flow. Uh, Nike uh, is playing in the metaverse. And releasing products that you know almost to gather consumer product feedback before you know see what's popular and um, then decide whether to actually create production. What are some of the other use cases that you're looking at at Wayfair in terms of 3D technologies that may not be um, as I don't want to say obvious because it, it was truly innovative when it was launched. But uh, beyond that use case, you know, where are some of the areas that many people may not be thinking of where you think 3D can have a big impact in retail and at Wayfair? Yeah, I think um, one is like, I think the obvious ones are like, you know, if you can produce more, you know, more merchandising imagery by by creating different, if you think of it from a... Um, creating a photograph requires quite a lot of time from a, you know, you, you kind of have to invest in a photo studio. You have to actually ship your products to the photo studio. Uh, you have to lay it out and actually take a picture, right? You can do all that stuff inside a computer using 3D models of products, right? And so, so which means that you can take more images that represent the product and give customers more information about that product. Um, you know, so that's one of the use cases that um, that really is, um, is is something that we have gotten really good at. Um, but then now that you can do this, you can now imagine uh, swapping out that space with the customer space, right? And so, um, so it doesn't have to be if you, if you look at any of the imagery that we see, that you see online today, um, when you have on Wayfair, you see you see a lot uh, a lot of you know rich lifestyle imagery that shows you products in you know in a nice setting in a living room right that living room could actually be your living room right and so we're trying to figure out how to um how to generate these photographs uh, for your spaces um so that's that's one thing that is uh, that is a, that is interesting that i can see that that might you know change the way people um perceive these products right and so using 3d technologies um, another one that's interesting is uh, we're trying to figure out uh, how we think that every home uh, is going to have a digital copy of itself, and you can store that somewhere online, right? And so, so imagine if you if you had access to a digital copy of your home in your pocket on your phone, you know, uh, that can be used in multiple ways. You could uh, you could um, you could imagine like different. Uh, versions of furniture in your space um, by just by just you know uh, by just accessing it on your phone phone or or you could um, you could take this uh, or you could share this um, this version of your home with uh, with folks like let's say you're doing a major renovation right and so you can imagine sharing mm-hmm. that with contractors and having contractors kind of you know. Um, 
give you their quotes or give you uh, the renderings of what your space might look like and then give that back to you. And then you take a look at what you like, what you want. And you say, like, I just pick this one and then, you know, and, and you're done. Right. So I think the digital home uh, um, is an interesting concept that we're, that we're really excited about. And that kind of flows into the metaverse, I guess. And so, uh, so what the way we are preparing for this future is that we think that there is a, uh, there are these fundamental building blocks, right? And if you think of the fundamental building block for anything digital in the future, it's going to be this idea of a 3D product, a 3D virtual product. So if your catalog can be can, can be digitized, that's a big first step towards like enabling all these different experiences. And so we've already done that. And so that's kind of, you know, I guess step one. And so, and, you, and once you have that, you can just keep experimenting with different experiences. You can you know, you have all these new platforms that are out there. Like if you think of Magic Leap, if you think of, uh, you know, uh, any platform that that has these kind of head-worn um, um, displays or, you know, these mixed reality um, devices, yep. this 3D catalog is going, to, is going to be a foundational building block for uh, powering those experiences. So I think uh, yep. investing in yep. the 3D catalog is, is very important at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I just immediately, I'm like, oh, so... You know, I can create a digital copy of my home and then talk to my wife like, hey, what if we knock down this wall? What would that look like? Well, let's, you know, let's let's put some Wayfair furniture in it, decorate, decorate it with the you know wall down and actually see it in its finished state and say, do we really want to do that or not? Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's super, super exciting. Another example, uh, which is less around furniture, is uh, Walmart bought a company called Zekit, uh, which scans models uh, and clothes. And so if you have 50 different models of different, you know, ethnicities, ages, uh, body types, and then they scan, let's say, 100 tops and 100 bottoms, with the 100 tops and 100 bottoms, they could actually put those clothes on virtually, creating 10,000 different combinations of clothes mm-hmm. on 50 different models. And all of a sudden, you have half a million different combinations of looks that you can serve up and you can figure out which ones are more popular um, and even like personalize ads. And their, their plan is to, you know, go to walmart.com, you say, I like this body type or this model and the entire experience becomes that person's that person, the model and the clothes on them. Uh, it's fascinating. It's such a fascinating yeah. and interesting time. Yeah. That's, and that's the, the, the experience you spoke about with Walmart is, is a great analogy of like w- what we're doing with the home basically. Right. And so um, it's a, yeah, um, we're, I think, um, having these unique kind of digital pieces of content, which is your catalog, and trying to like you know, remix them in different ways uh, and changing the context of where they show up, like which is the, the space itself, um, can lead to a ton of inspiration, right? And so, and all the customers have to do is kind of just imagine you're just kind of you're you're browsing this page that has infinite number of options of like what how your space might look like, and then you just pick the right ones that you like, and then uh, and then you, you you go from there. Yeah, yeah, I. Super exciting uh, time. I, I think you know many you know of the you know, we talked a little bit about the metaverse. I'd love to get your take on the metaverse. One of my favorite things about 2022 is that we are finally getting back to live person events. And one event Rethinker Retail is especially looking forward to this year is Shop Talk Europe. Taking place June 6th through 8th at Excel London, Shop Talk Europe is the new home for Europe's retail and grocery changemakers. The event is expected to see over 2,500 decision makers from leading retailers and brands. You'll also see startups, tech firms, investors, 
media like Rethink Retail and analysts from around the world. Yes, we are all coming together to learn, network, collaborate, and evolve. The event will host more than 200 industry speakers. And if that wasn't enough to keep you busy, more than 250 companies will be showcasing the latest trends and innovations that are transforming the global retail sector. Qualifying retailers and brands can attend Shop Talk Europe for free and receive up to a 500-pound travel reimbursement through Shop Talk's world-renowned hosted meeting program. For more information, to see the lineup, or to register your company, shoptalkeurope.com is the place to visit. Again, that is shoptalkeurope.com. Um, I think it's really interesting since you're dealing with kind of furniture and homes and physical spaces that lend itself naturally to kind of creations in the metaverse. Um, I have a friend at Estee Lauder who did a pop-up in Decentraland and they got 500,000 in earned media just by people showing up. You know, what are your thoughts on the metaverse as a whole and what dynamics need to develop so that it can be more of a meaningful business interaction framework beyond kind of the novelty of, hey, I put something up, come look at it and get getting brand exposure? Yeah, I think uh, before I answer that question, I think I want to define what the metaverse is, because I think it feels like mm. in today's way, a lot of people have different definitions of what the metaverse is to them. So I think of the metaverse as an extension of the internet, right? And so if you think of the internet, the internet uh, has, you have, uh, you know, quite a lot of web pages, right? And those can be, those are currently all in 2D, right? You're kind of seeing them on a flat screen, right? If you If you take the internet today and you actually make it spatial, which means you're adding, let's say you add another dimension to it and make it 3D, for example, and you add more, uh, you add more modalities, right? You add like audio, you add video, you add interaction and stuff like that. That is what I think the metaverse is, at least to me. And so, um, and so, uh, I, yes, it is kind of inevitable to think of having different, um, I guess, brands on this metaverse, accessing this metaverse from different uh, phones or devices. It's not like, if, if, to me, it's not just kind of what you see on Ready Player One, right, with the Oasis and stuff. It is actually, uh, it exists as a central kind of, uh, or, or rather multiple versions of this might exist, just like how the internet is kind of fragmented across, uh, you know, uh, the world, I guess, a little bit. Um, and and so you can access this from different, in, from different, different ways. It could be from your phone, um, just like how you use today, it could be from your laptop. It could be from the next version of the computer, which is could be a you know a, a, a body worn or a head worn um, device, right? Which which is again uh, inevitable that the computer is going to become. If you think of the evolution of the computer, it's it's definitely going to go into a spot where uh, it is going to get uh, more natural to kind of interact with this uh, with this information, right? So. So so given the metaverse, you know, uh, is like basically. Uh, the spatial internet, uh, yes, you know, it's, it's very likely that uh, Wayfair as a brand or as a company is going to have some space on there, right? Um, but what's more interesting, I think, is when I when I when I spoke about the digital homes earlier, I can think of a collection of these digital homes being a part of the metaverse, right? As in, yep. you have a space that belongs to you uh, that represents that is that looks exactly like your physical space. 
but it's it is a a digital copy of it that you can do different things so you can manipulate that in different ways and so it can it can kind of deviate from what your physical space might look like um you can use that to make decisions about your physical space which means i can test out different let's say couches or or the example that you alluded to earlier which is i can break down a wall and see what my space might look like yeah no um, absolutely and do you see like right now you have a 3d mapped uh, of all your products in your catalog, is that something that you would like license to a Decentraland and say, all right, you you know anybody building a house in Decentraland or any of the you know metaverses uh, can put Wayfair furniture in there and and basically go decorating. Um, you know, is that something that gets done by the retailer? That's done by the brand? Is that something that adds value with the ability to shop immediately? How how do, how do you think about you know, kind of moving from a kind of tool mindset in designing my home to almost a media mindset about how to engage shoppers and build brand awareness, like kind of like an Estee Lauder did. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of something having something that's kind of, uh, I guess, distributed or decentralized, right, is is the is the uh, the underlying, you know, I guess, um, notion that. Uh, someone might take the same information that you have and actually build a much better experience, right? And so, but, so what we've actually done um, earlier on, like I think this is 2016 or 2017, is we actually license, we, all of our 3D catalog is available online for anyone who wants to use it. And so you could go, you could take Wayfair furniture, the, the 3D catalog, and actually go build an experience that is uh, that you think is the best kind of shopping experience online or, or, the, or the best design experience online, right? And I mean, the products represent Wayfair's products and you, know, you can make the purchase through Wayfair, but we're already empowering dev- developers to kind of go and build the best thing. So we're, so we're kind of uh, the reason why we're sharing this content, apart from what you what you said, was um, the, one of the bottlenecks in all the things that we've discussed so far is that content creation is actually not straightforward. In the sense, uh, it does you know there is a cost to creating this virtual product today, right? Uh, that represents a real product. Um, we don't want developers to go and do that. You know, um, if if let's say if, if you're a developer and you want to experiment with creating, uh, you know, um, a virtual designer, for example, right? Uh, instead of you spending all your time trying to figure out like how to create the content, we'll give you the content. You can focus on the experience, right? So that's gonna. So we're trying yeah. to empower developers to kind of um, to to come up with really new fantastic experiences, but using the, the content that already exists, right? Um, I do want to oh, mention I think this, one. That, that's, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I do want to mention, I think you asked me a question earlier about what, what do I think is the is the kind of the bottleneck for the metaverse? Or rather, like there are certain things that still need to happen before the metaverse becomes a reality, right? And so uh, I think interoperability uh, or standards is a very, very big component of um of um you know that is that is that that needs to be in place before the metaverse can kind of take shape and you know get wider adoption. Uh, if you think of like um, the equivalent is, uh, you know, think of HTML, right? Or HTML as a way to kind of define uh, web pages and because of which like, uh, you know, web pages can be are standardized on the internet today, right? And so just like that, I think we need like different standards um, in place so that the metaverse uh, um, can take shape. More importantly, like, I think uh, if you think of JPEG as the kind of universal standard of, standard of sorts for images, right? And so it's become, you know, if someone says, I'm going to give you a JPEG, you know what that means, right? 
you don't have that today with 3D models. Rather, we we're, we we're, we have created the first our first attempt at creating the JPEG for 3D, which is something called GLTF, and that's actually one of the groups that I run as a part of the Chronos group. Is you know how do we all come together and agree on what a virtual product is? How do you define it? How do you store it? What is the file format? What are the different properties that need to be associated with the, with a virtual product? So unless you have that, you can't kind of really uh, you, you can't transact, or rather, you can't like exchange this information uh, online in a metaverse and in in even current uh, use cases. Uh, like you think of like three D searches, you know, uh, unless like unless we have this uh, underlying standard, it's very tough for me to kind of take my content and give it to someone else and have them kind of show that to the final to a, to a final user. Yeah, no, absolutely. The portability of assets, because it's not really the metaverse, it's metaverses, right? So each of these environments is its own metaverse. And so it's hard to invest solely in, you know, digitizing in one way, if you can't kind of export them to all the different environments. Um, uh, you know, so we're, 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 I'm thinking about, you know, one of the things you said earlier on in the show, which you hinted at, um, you know, is, is some of the more disruptive ways to think through things, right? Like this 3D navigation environment gives us new opportunities and, and two areas where I think we try and you know, kind of port over the existing 2D um, skeuomorphic kind of analogy uh, is search and navigation, right? You still have mm -hmm. dropdowns and, and other things. How do you see 3D changing the way we search for products? And how do you see 3D changing navigation in a, in a retail context? Yeah, great question. So I, I, I guess if I, if I have to uh, map out the evolution of uh, peripherals or computers, right? If you think of like the, the evolution of just the computer, if you go from like, you know, uh, mainframes to uh, desktop computers to, you know, to um, tablets, mobile devices, like what is the next evolution of the computer, right? And so it is, it is, my guess is that it is going to be something that is going to be, uh, you know, a lot more natural in the sense, a lot more, um, I guess, um, synchronized with, uh, with with humans in the sense you're either wearing it or you're, it's a part of, you know, uh, your clothing or it, it is somewhere that's that's close by where you are kind of interacting with it in a very seamless way, right? Just like that, if you think of the the, the interactions, like right? if you think of how we have, fed in information and received information from computer systems. If you think of punch cards, uh, I guess, you know, uh, um, uh, writing out or, or using the keyboard to kind of write like, you know, uh, machine readable uh, language so, so that you can interact with the computer, right? Or you think of the mouse as a pointer to kind of point at things. All that stuff, right? When, when, if you think of, they're all kind of interconnected in the sense, depending on how the final um, uh, what the next computer looks like or the next computing platform looks like, the way you interact with it is also going to be completely different, right? And so it is just going to get a lot more natural. And that's one of the reasons why 3D is, is gaining in popularity is because it has an affordance where it is it does mimic real life, right? And so, so I can imagine like a search um, um, on a, a website like Wayfair where uh, someone is just kind of, you know, conversing with the brand and then actually like, you know, letting you, um, um, I guess, define your, or, or trying to like narrow your search by just 
conversing with the, the brand directly, right? The neat thing about um, the spatial internet or the, the metaverse is that the reason why it's spatial is because um, uh, your space has become a part of the uh, has become a part of your environment, which it was not previously. So if you think of browsing, just think of you know how you're browsing today. You're you're browsing in a browser. You may be in a cafe. You may be at home. You know we don't know where you are. We don't you know there's the context is missing. Yep, yep. The context is super interesting. Um, you know, I think about when you go to a physical shelf, I can scan 200 items in in one or two, three seconds. But online, I get, you know, results 10 at a time, right? It's just not, you know, one is the, the kind of 3D aspect and the ability for my eyes to kind of roam free. But also it's that it's a little bit of the context that uh, and contextual clues that we can bring in. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, you know, building you know, futuristic technology. Uh, you know, when I take a shower, there's usually, you know, some problem that I'm thinking about, some intractable problem that I, I'm perplexed by, I'm solved by. Is there a problem within, you know, spatial internet and spatial commerce that kind of keeps you up at night or is like your, your kind of great unknown that, you know, you're really trying to work on and don't have great answers for a great problem, but is a great problem space? Yeah, I think I think uh, yes, for sure. Like I have, <laughs> I have a list of those, but I think the the, the top two I can uh, I can imagine or the, you know immediately comes to mind. One is again interoperability. So unless we have standards um, that where we can exchange information, uh, you know, in a meaningful way, like um, it, it's not uh, it's it's the adoption is not going to happen. You're going to have a very fragmented system, which is which is the case today, right? So as so, let me give you a, a quick example of how what I mean by that, right? So if you think if you take uh, 3D search, right, or like you know, or three searches also. So today, if you if you try to type out a query on Google, you might start you might start to see like uh, 3D search results, right? But you might see a 3D tiger, or like uh, if you're searching for a tiger, or if you're searching for a red couch, you might see a wafer, th- a 3D model of a wafer uh, couch that's that comes in the color red. Right. Um, but at the same time, you might also see uh, a competitor, you know, showing you uh, a red couch. You might see Ikea's couch, you might see a couch from Target. Right. Um, so unless we all as retailers have uh, agreed upon like what how to represent a 3D uh, red couch um, or 3D couches or 3D models of products, uh, it is going to be tough for us to kind of hand this content, exchange this content between uh, different uh, systems, right? So, I, like you know, I, I'm, so I mean, I, I, I get that. That's that's like a standards process and getting you know a committee type thing, kind of like HTML, HTTP, exactly. JavaScript, or any of those, right? Um, and we'll get there. Um, right. But in terms of some of the kind of more technical problem spaces around that intersection of design and technology. Is there something that you're really trying to wrap your head around that uh, that keeps you up at night or gets you excited yeah. thinking about? So I think uh, the other one that, that I was going to talk about was it was the um, was again like defining on certain um, I guess uh, paradigms for user interaction inside um, I guess uh, in these newer versions of uh, I guess the spatial internet or or on newer platforms, right? And so what I mean by that is if you think of let's say uh, a product page or if you think of the button, like just think of just a simple internet like the the the, the button on the internet. That has gone through so much evolution, uh, and they can finally figure. People have understood like what that what that thing means. If it, if there's a shape, there's a pill on the side, 
and if it's a different color and has text on it, I know that that's clickable, right? Or I know that something highlighted in blue is clickable, right? So just like mm-hmm. that, um, in the in the next version of like you know when when uh, however you perceive information, whether it's like you know on a head mounted display or on your mobile phone, I think that today one of the humps that we need to get over is that people still are not used to interacting with 3D content or rich content uh, in the context of your space or in a virtual world, right? Uh, so navigating the virtual world, uh, manipulating these objects in 3D, right? I mean, there is like, you can do it in many natural ways where if, if you know, you can kind of move 3D objects around just like how you do in, th- uh, real, in real life, right? But there are certain things that are still missing. Like today, I think one of the things that we see, like when we when we try to test uh, 3D content or or, um, or view in room experiences, right? Is that uh, I think we're still to uh, we're yet to crack the best experience where we're trying to present this 3D content to a customer in, in the real space. We're trying to tell them this is the real size. This is actually the real size of this of this product in your space, right? But like it's it's not uh, it's not fairly obvious that it is actually the real size. And so I think we're trying to figure out like okay, how do we get to a state where uh, anyone can actually interact with the 3D content in a very uh, natural way. They know what it means. They know like what the, um, um, I guess like there are certain paradigms that have not been defined yet for the for this kind of this whole 3D, the 3D experiences yeah. overall. And I think those need yeah. to be defined. If we can do that, then I think that that would uh, really um, uh, help. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool if I could put my wife on the couch, right? As, a, as almost like a reference as well like multiple points of reference. And, uh, you know, I think about like in the work that we do is how do we encourage, like how do we create that taxonomy of what a, a, a shopper, a user, a consumer can do without having to tell them explicitly? And, you know, what is that design language? So, you know, voice interface being one of the great examples is, you know, I have that thing from Amazon um, that I don't want to say because it'll wake up while I'm on this podcast. Um, but I use it for the same things, right? How, you know, what's the weather, set a timer, play some media, because I just don't know the rich taxonomy of commands and it's hard to teach in voice. And so I think you've got an advantage with 3D and visual, but it's also so much more powerful and the options are almost limitless. Uh, it's a difficult problem. Um, so last question, cause I know we have to wrap up. Um, what are you most excited about launching this year at Wayfair? Yeah, um, the 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 yes, um, by far I'd say uh, physical retail. So I think what we're what we're uh, if you think of the journey, like I think we're going to go from um, we're basically going to fuse the digital to with with the physical, right? Um, or a better way to say it is that so far we've been figuring out uh, how to bring the store to you, right? In the sense, you're shopping at home. We're bringing the whole store to your experience on your mobile devices and your desktop and and you know the various devices that you surf on. We're now we're trying to figure out like how do you bring your home to the store now, right? And so and how do you fuse the digital with the physical and actually come up with a really the true omni-channel experience where uh, we're trying to actually blur the line between online and offline, right? Where the customer can start their journey in a store and then purchase online or vice versa or basically the seamless shopping experience that can kind of set where we can, where a customer can, can start anywhere and end and, and, and anywhere. Right? And so I think that's, so that is kind of, uh, is, is really exciting to us. Um, and so that's something that, uh, that I'm really looking forward to this year. And then in the physical retail um, stores that, we, that we're going to launch this year, 
there'll be some interesting experiences that will help customers do that. That's that's amazing. I, you know, if we started this conversation and uh, I told the audience that the most excited thing for you would be about physical retail, I don't think we would have come full circle here. <laughs> um, but interestingly, that's exactly the problem. I'm focused on at Perch as well around overlaying kind of digital content to every physical product and thinking about this merging of digital and physical. I think about some of the things you said today, like how cool would it be if I could bring the digital representation of my home into the Wayfair store and experiment with the designer in the store together? Exactly. Um, yeah. So once you get these tools, these representations, whether it's your products, my own digital home, these tools that I can use both online, mobile, with my Apple Glass or in Mark Zuckerberg's uh, metaverse, which we could debate vigorously of its future and viability. All of these things, this portability that you mentioned, and that's why it, you know it, it is so important. Um, it really defines kind of a future of retail that does merge the best of physical and digital and creates these new ways of interacting that I personally find exciting. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for all your insights. I'm excited about figuring out how to scan my home uh, and uh, knocking down some walls. And uh, you know, I appreciate your time. Uh, and an insight today. Thank you, Trevor. Lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.